0: Yeah, that's the thing. I would have. I, I, I might have stayed there, but I had another intern throw me down the stairs to make me look bad.
1: Wait minute, was that a?
0: Was that literally
1: threw you down the stairs or metaphorically threw you down the stairs? Uh,
0: metaphorically, but okay. she was big enough to throw me down the <laughs> <Okay>. stairs. <laughs>
2: Atlanta, where our traffic was rated 10th worst in the nation. Don't worry, we're working really hard to get it back into the top five. It's the Whole World Improv Podcast, brought to you by Whole World Improv Theater, Atlanta's original home of improv. Here are your hosts, artistic director Chip Powell, and a man who's growing out his hair again. Not that he wants to, he's just too lazy to get a haircut. Yeah, John Michalik.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Whole World Improv Theater, the podcast. I'm John Mihalik. With me, my co-host, the artistic director of Whole World Improv Theater, Mr. Chip Powell. Hey, John. Hey, Chip. It's a good day today. It's wet and rainy. I don't know what's good about it. Reminds me of home, actually. I grew up in Toledo and off the lake, it would be like this constantly. Well, you know, hey, you're in Atlanta and it's not like this constantly. Uh, someone else who's in Atlanta with us. Yeah. Who also came from Parts Unknown.
3: Well, and I'm very excited because he's one of our newest main stage additions. And his name is Daniel Clanton. So uh, welcome, Daniel Clanton.
1: Hello. Uh, we put on my podcasting voice. Hello, Chip. Um, well, you Hello, stuttered John. a little bit there. I <laughs> <No. So, laughs> I put on the podcasting voice, but I don't have the podcasting presence. So uh, yes. Hello, John. Hello,
0: Chip. I can fix all that in post. Don't no, worry.
3: Oh, oh, I think that line is in every single podcast.
0: Oh, does he actually, I can fix
3: that in post. Does he actually
0: fix it in post? You would be stunned how much stuff I fix in uh, post. okay. Uh,
3: <laughs> so, Daniel Planton tell us, our listeners, where are you from?
1: Well, I was born in Augusta, Georgia. And I lived most of what, the first five years of my life in Augusta and then moved to Hepzibah, Georgia, mm-hmm. a southern suburb of, of Augusta. So, yeah. And so I stayed in Hepzibah until that's where my parents live to this day. So, yeah. In Huxtaba, Georgia? Hepzibah. Hepsibah. Yes, yes. You know, when you are six years old and you move to a city that you have no idea how to pronounce and even mm-hmm. more difficulty spelling, kind of rough. But thankfully, my brother uh, played football. And so the cheerleaders would do a little cheer. The H E. P-H-Z-I-B-A-H. And so whenever I needed to remember how to spell Hepzibah, I would always remember how those cheerleaders spell this. Yeah. There's a
3: lot of weird city names. My favorite is Dacula. Oh. Because people coming through go, have you been to Dracula? <laughs> and you're like, no, that's, that's, that's not it. that's You just read it wrong. Where did you go to school?
1: Well, I stayed in town, so I went to Augusta State University. Uh, That's what it was called when I went there. They've gone through like three different name changes now, so they've settled in at an Augusta University. I went to Augusta State University. I majored in communications with a television production sort of focus, and so that's why I learned how to work with cameras. That's how I worked in the control room environment. That's why I also learned a passion for film because I took film classes there as well. So, yeah, that's I spent my time there in college. Mm-hmm. the theater, um so the television part was has been a part of me all the way since middle school because I needed something to do. My parents really wanted to focus and have me focusing on something. so there was something at the middle school, Spirit Creek middle School that I went to it was called the Media Club, and I wanted to be an anchor. I would say I was going to sit there and be the anchor and say, "Oh, yeah, today's lunch is fish sticks and um, mashed
0: potatoes. <laughs> Those are some real biting journalism there. <laughs> That's right. uh, yeah, yes.
1: Uh, but the line... Now, are
0: they the Gordon's Fisherman fish sticks
3: or...
1: Uh, I don't know. The, the fish sticks and the steak nuggets. Uh, my personal... Steak fi-
3: nuggets? Steak nuggets, What yeah. the hell is a steak nugget?
1: <laughs> 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 it was so nuggets of...
3: Faux steak. It was Yeah.
1: <laughs> Faux steak. Faux steak. That's
3: like the woman who was here for Valentine's who told us her job was chicken taster for... Oh, <laughs> well, I guess I better not say chicken. A, a, a famous chicken <laughs> restaurant. Fix that in post.
0: Yes. <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> I'll fix it in post. Fix
3: it in post. Because uh, she said so they tasted it, but if it didn't have a bite to it, then um, they would send it through. So did did you taste these steak nuggets?
1: I, I love steak nuggets. I was excited on on steak nugget day, steak nugget day, <laughs> pizza day, and like right before the holidays, they would have the turkey dressing, gravy, all mixed up. Oh yeah, uh, I all
0: love yeah, Oh yeah,
1: eat yeah. yeah. a little little cup
0: of the cranberry yep, sauce. Yep. Were the pizzas at school? Um, like were the they sheet. on the sheet? Yeah, the two by three yes. sheets. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You, oh, yeah. you got to love a square pizza. Yeah, I think that was it.
3: just like biscuit dough. that. They just, oh, oh, it was not pizza Sauce dough. Sauce
1: and cheese on. <laughs> but no, but that was the hard-hitting news that I wanted to the deliver. journalism to, that you yeah. were going for. Yeah. Did you ever divulge what was inside the steak nugget? <laughs> well, unfortunately, I was able to do that because the line to be on air was so long. There were so many people wanting to be in that line. So I looked over on the other side in the technical part. No one was over there. So I said, let's see what's happening over there. And um, I'm glad that my impatience led me in that direction because I loved working, learning about the camera, learning about what directors are supposed to do, setting up live remotes where we were broadcasting commencement ceremonies for the eighth graders and, and everything. So that's where... I found my passion for television. But then when I went into high school, high school didn't have any kind of program like that. So my mom, being dedicated to not letting me lose that uh, little itch that I had, she started me in one of the local dinner theaters. So I spent time building. How old were you? Uh, At that time, I was, how old are are you when you usually start high school, 13, 14 or something like that? Uh, My mom, she worked at a Davidson Fine Arts School. um, You know, statewide known for.
3: Please tell me what the title of your dinner theater show was.
1: uh, Well, well, no, uh, this was at the Fort Gordon Dinner Theater on the on the military base (laughs) there. John's John's laughing because he's familiar with
0: it. Uh, (laughs) I was stationed there. Please enlighten us, John, as to I was stationed there. No. I don't know. Please tell him what this. Then I'll give you the soldier's perspective of it.
1: Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, my dad my dad was in the military. He also worked on base and so um, the husband of the drama teacher at Davidson Fine Arts School ran the Fort Gordon Dinner Theater. So my mom had a conversation with Betty Walpert, and Betty Walpert had a conversation with Steve Walpert. And that got me in there at a very young age. So yeah, I was building sets. I was getting in the genie, hanging lights from the ceiling. Uh, I was in the shop working in the saw, doing that. I worked backstage. I ran sound uh what there the
0: hell we need to get you
1: <laughs> we need to get you working here
0: i was just thinking you know what? you're just giving chip a list of things uh he can ha- drop some lights. hold on no uh, he-, he said that
1: that yeah, it was, it was a long time ago that was high school, high school. yeah high school so uh, did, did you perform at all um no so <laughs> i i was a, I was around it so much and so i pigeonholed myself into the tech guy into the backstage guy and it was always thought that I had some type of presence. And that presence even came like in church where, you know, the kids, uh, it was a rotation where somebody would give the welcome. and Oh, we like to welcome you to Central Church. And so it was, a, it was a rotation of that. And so once it got to me, I didn't take any paper. I just went up there and just said what was at the top of my mind, and it was point out, see, that's that's what Danny's doing. Look at Danny. And then eventually it just became my responsibility. And so when visiting churches would come and then they would send up this child to give this well-spoken little welcome to everybody, it was like, oh, wow, that's crazy. So in my Parents' eyes, you should be a star. You should be <laughs> in the plays, starring in movies, you're wasting your talent. Why don't you do something? And uh and that has gone on probably still Pretty much to this day, it lessened a bit once I started coming here to Whole World. So Whole World was my first outlet, besides those church welcomes, my first outlet to really try to perform
0: or engage an audience. I need to hear a church welcome. I think we do. I think we do. So Chip and I have just walked in. We're sitting down and let's see if I can remember this. Uh. Uh, on behalf of our pastor, Reverend
1: Dr. Amy, Amy Stokes, officers and members of the Central African Baptist Church, we welcome you. You know, outside it may be cold, but inside the warmth of Jesus <laughs> will fill your heart and and, and <laughs> fill your heart and propel you for, for the rest of the day. Again, we
0: welcome you. And then I would go. And... Yeah, yeah, oh, God. I'm, I'm fulfilled. So the warmth of Jesus the warmth
1: of Jesus and, and you
0: know it, it, it
1: did
3: so name uh Daniel name some of the shows you did at dinner theater
1: uh, my very first show I did there was pump boys and dinettes
3: oh I love uh, I it
1: super excited i drank rc colas and had moon pies after every show oh my god um I did little shop of hearts oh love it um I did you're a good man charlie brown I want to go there that's when that became one of my favorite shows uh-huh. uh, they did a lot of neil simon uh uh-huh. but in this
3: barefoot uh, in the park,
1: yeah, yes, yeah, uh, sex farces, a lot of yeah. sex farces. So, I yeah. uh, wasn't as engaged in, in those, but so yeah, we did did a lot of those. But, um, uh, you're a
3: good man, Charlie Brown. They could have used you uh, last night in the show. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, yeah, they were, yeah, they were
3: I, having I, a hard time with the characters. Yeah, I, I, I felt a, so old,
1: yes. I'm a huge Peanuts fan in Charlie Brown, so that would have fit right in. But one of the highlights of my time working there on Post was they provide a lot of the entertainment on Post. So one of the highlights of that, because I had familiarity working spotlights, they asked me to run the spotlights for one of the concerts that they were having there, and that was uh, Leonard Skinnerd and Ario Speedwagon. Oh wow! So uh, if if the listeners may not realize um, that I kind of stood out at a Leonard Skinnerd concert. No. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yes. um, So yeah, it was it was quite interesting um, being
3: a. What's your favorite Leonard Skinnerd song?
1: There's something that oh oh wait they do the, the Speed Home Alabama song right yeah okay there was
0: a big question mark on that See, oh yeah so, <laughs> so, yeah
1: so let so let so let's go with that one.
0: okay the other acceptable answer was Freebird nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> name me one R E O Speedwagon song oh. do they do that way you want it that's Journey. Oh <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> sorry, sorry.
1: I can't fight this
0: feeling any longer. Yes, yeah, that was um... the song that you danced to in high yeah, school. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, at your that high school dance dances. party.
2: Yeah. Hey, you've been listening to people talk about improv, so why not try it yourself? Whole World Improv Theater has in-person improv classes for beginners and season actors alike. No prior experience is needed. Our class program is eight weeks long and full of people just like you who want to learn and have a lot of fun. Just check out our website to learn more or sign up. The website is wholeworldtheater.com and that's theater with an R-E at the end because we're fancy.
3: So you leave college, and what's Daniel Clanton's journey from there?
1: Well, I just mentioned this to to John. So I leave college, and I'm like, whoa, boy, I'm out. So let me go to all the television stations, find a job, get this ball rolling. So.
3: So what restaurant did
0: you work at? You <laughs> <laughs> went back to the dinner theater. you kept his roots yeah, going? Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, well, that was that was coming and I did <laughs> I did spend time at the dinner theater. That was my last <laughs> little patch of time that I, that I was there. Yeah. Um, but no, I wasn't doing the restaurant thing. I was watching a lot of general Hospital, following up with Luke and Lauren and, oh, wow. and Sonny Corinthos and see what they were up to. interesting. Um, it was getting rough, but thankfully, my brother also works in television. He worked at one of the local stations there, WJBF Channel 6, but he worked on the news side of things. And the master control supervisor saw a Clanton on a resume and went and talked to the production people. They say, hey, is this, is this any relation to John Clanton? And he said, oh yeah, I think that's his, his brother, but we don't have anything available right now. So he said, well, if he's anything like his brother, he's somebody that we would probably want here oh, nice. so he picked up the phone and called and said hey we don't have anything available in production but we do have a position in master control i had no idea what master control was but i just needed to get off the couch and away from general hospital and said yeah i'll so you I'll, I'll faked it. it till you made it yeah yeah and i've been doing master control to to this day so uh, thank you levi crawford
0: if you're listening to this <laughs> well you better send him an email yeah <laughs> With a link, yeah, a free koozie. <laughs> so, really quick, Master Control, what you're at the bridge? You're the one flying the Starship Enterprise. What's?
1: Uh, p- pretty much, yeah. So uh, they're the unsung heroes of television. So if you're watching television, you ever notice or wonder how when it goes to commercial break during a live program, what makes that happen? That is us. We're in the ear of the well the director is in our ear Mm -hmm. giving us the instructions and saying okay we're about to go to break here master they're counting down all right roll the break we hit the button we roll the commercial breaks we take the inventory of the spots that run to make sure that the advertisers get what they paid for making sure everything runs when it's supposed to if there's some kind of breaking news and we have to break out of that break we're the ones responsible for making that happen as well. A lot of the things you see on the screen, bugs, icons, they come from us as well. So that was something that I didn't know. I just watched TV, just thought it all happened magically. But Master Control uh, gives you a better understanding of how it
0: all comes together. Which begs the question, the graphics that you throw up for an over-the-shoulder shot Mm-hmm. you know, where the anchor is talking to you and there's a graphic up there. Mm-hmm. You could replace that graphic with somebody's butt or something like that. So, you could be yeah. changing. You could really be spicing up the news.
1: So I could replace that graphic with the whole screen going to bars or the whole screen going to, which I've seen it happen in local television. You're watching news and all of a sudden, WWE wrestling pops up on there. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I can do.
0: Yeah. Those
1: over-the-shoulder graphics, those come from the control room. So when I say graphics, if you're watching you know, and you see a ticker running across it, that's coming from us. Or if you see a network bug on the screen, that's coming from us.
0: I have to go to work with Daniel now because I just want to be typing on the ticker. So as people are seeing the news right there, you know, Vladimir Putin can go get bent.
3: In the control rooms of CNN, and I have also been on set for a live news feed. It's pretty stressful Especially at CNN, it got pretty vicious. Does it ever get vicious? And I mean, it's definitely stressful.
1: Yeah, Um, it does because there's like a hierarchy of stress. So let's say there's a show. That has an anchor. I won't name any names. There's a show that yeah, has. I won't
3: name any names. Yeah,
1: there, there's a show that has an anchor that is very high stressed. So if something goes goes wrong, that anchor will get upset at the director, and then that director will get upset the producer, and then the producer will get upset with it's master chain effect. With, with master control. Yeah. So uh, a lot of times it kind of heads there, and then we have to figure out okay, what happened? How do we get to this point? And what do we do yeah. going forward to prevent that from kind of happening. But yeah, it is very stressful. The larger the event, the greater the amount of stress is. These are very, uh, you know, great people, but in that environment.
3: Obviously, you're doing it live. Because I watched someone get yelled at to run to archive and find something and run back. And they were screaming at this poor person the whole entire time. And I was like, there's no way I would work here because, uh uh-uh. Nobody would talk to me like that.
1: <laughs> but I mean, that's that's television. A couple a couple hours later, they're in the break room, having a good time, oh, yeah, watching, watching ESPN and. And talking about you know the sports and things. you did like, great, yeah, yeah. You did great
3: getting that stuff from the archive, even though we yelled at you. Yeah,
1: yes. <laughs> well, well, I don't know if you've been on the CNN tour. It doesn't exist anymore. But when I it, know, yeah. but when it did, they would go to that room and they would have the little switch to flip. Oh, let's listen and see what's going on in a live broadcast. And they would flip the switch and then you can listen. There is a light that goes off in the control room, letting the control room know that there's a tour going on and people are listening. Mm-hmm. I would say. 95% of the time that light worked, but then there were that 5% of the time where they just didn't care about that light because, you know, things were happening and, and things were moving. And so, oh, yeah. Well, we apologize.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Glenn, stop fucking up! <laughs>
2: <laughs> this program is supported in part by Georgia Council for the Arts through the appropriations of the Georgia General Assembly. Georgia Council for the Arts also receives support from its partner agency, the National Endowment for the Arts. And thank goodness for organizations like these, because now more than ever, anybody sick of that phrase? Everyone knows how important the arts are, because where did everybody turn to after two years of health with arts? So let's keep recognizing these amazing, Amazing organizations for what they are and what they do. We love
3: you.
1: So when do you get to Atlanta? So I worked at that local station for two years. Um, I was doing a really good job, but I was low man on the totem pole. There was nothing that could be done about that because it was on, doesn't matter what your skill level is. It's just when you came in. Uh, so the programming director there at the station that I worked at, her daughter worked for Fox five and she knew that there was a master control position available there. And she felt that I would do a good job. And she said, Hey, you know, if you're willing to move to Atlanta, I think there's a, a position that you would do well in. And so, um, yeah, I applied. Uh, that was my first serious four, four way, four way, whatever. My first serious uh, you know, trip to Atlanta and that led me here working at Fox five. I was here for all the way up until 2009. I had, um, an opportunity to move to Connecticut to work for ESPN. Uh, that was just one of those things where I was at work. It was overnight, had nothing better to do. So I just filled out an application completely forgot about it, didn't even remember it. And then when ESPN showed up on my caller ID, I thought they were calling about an Xbox that I recently won from ESPN radio. So I thought, hey, this is ESPN. We're just calling to check to see how that Xbox is going. But no, it was like, oh, hey, um, yeah, we're calling to talk about your application that you filled out for ESPN. I said, application. Oh yeah, that's right. I did do that. And so, um, so, so yeah, so I moved to Connecticut for two years, really missed Atlanta because Atlanta just offers everything. Uh, you're not wanting for anything if you live here in Atlanta. And I, and I missed that, you know, in Connecticut, you know, it's, it's just very different. And so I was like, well, I will go back to Atlanta. CNN was that. And so that's what led me back here in 2011? I've been here ever since.
0: What's the day where you walk into Whole World Theater for the first time?
1: All right. So uh, there is a coworker of mine that was talking about taking improv classes. I think she was taking at the Actor Studio or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, mm-hmm. uh, she was taking improv classes there, and she's like, "Oh wow, you know, improv is really great. It's helped me out in all these different areas." And I was like, "Wow, that sounds like fun." Um, because I was once again parents always in the head, oh, you should be doing something, you should be doing something. I was thinking of Toastmasters or something like that to engage that. And so when that was brought, I had started talking about it. So if you know me, I'm a procrastinator. I'm somebody that really, really does a good job of kicking cans down the road. (laughs) So I kicked the improv can down the road for a very long time. But um, my friend... Chelsea Torres, she saw a show in Atlantic Station, and she heard me talking about improv. And so she came running to me and said, oh, I just saw this show in Atlantic Station. This guy, Carlos, he was just so funny. He was just hilarious. Oh my goodness, I have to go back and see that again. So we started looking at Whole world shows we can go to. Uh, we didn't know anything about the structure of Apprentice and Main Stage. Or anything. We just saw the Thursdays. Well, we well, don't
3: reveal that until you drink the
0: chicken blood. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of us. One of us. One of uh, us.
1: Um, but so we saw the Thursday was the only show that match on our schedule to, to come and see it. And John has heard this many times. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'm gonna Thursday this makes
0: me blush. Yeah, yeah Thursday
1: was it. the only show that we could. So we came to a Thursday show and I was just blown away by, you know, the talent of what the people on stage were doing. John was in the scene where they he was like playing Mrs. Doubtfire and uh, he was just uh I I was so intrigued by how do you get to that point when you can do something like that and the, and so that's when I started looking up the up uh, the workshop.
3: Yeah, and I have a feeling, Daniel, you want to hear some of John's Mrs. Doubtfire right now. I, th-
1: I think I do.
0: I think I, th- I, think <laughs> I do. Oh yes. <laughs> Well, children, I didn't think that ever come back to bite me in the ass. Forcing people to do things on the on the microphone. It was a
3: drive by fruiting.
0: <laughs> but now, for now, are doubt <laughs> <laughs> Oh, thank you.
1: Uh, I mean, it resonated with me. So I signed up for the first workshop that I possibly could. And once again, when I got here that Saturday, I sat out in my car and was going through my Rolodex of reasons not to walk through the door. It's like, uh, they already have my money. They won't care if I don't show up. They don't know You'd be
3: surprised how many people give us their money and don't show up.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that was going through my mind. And But I, you know, say, you know what? This is something that you said you wanted to do. This is something that you really want to explore. If you don't like it and it sucks, then no harm, no foul. You just go about your your merry business. And, uh, I mean, it's one of the... And I'm just not saying this for hyperbole. It was one of the most important decisions that I've made was to walk through that door. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was terrifying. Uh, Playing that energy ball game was like the first warm-up game. And I hate that game to this day. Because I was so so horrible at it. So when whenever it it, whenever it whenever it rarely makes its appearance now Note in War.
3: Yes. Daniel will play energy, <laughs> energy ball, ball. Yes, next that. time he comes in.
1: And, and so the, the thing I think about to where I am now and how much improv can help you uh, after the crappy energy ball game. Uh, we did we did
3: we did electric. <laughs> and that's a plug for our student program, ladies and gentlemen.
1: <laughs> we did electric company. <laughs> And so I remember going around in the circle, and it's a game that's just simply just say a word. It doesn't necessarily have to match up perfectly with the last word that you said, just say a word. And when it got to me, my brain just saying, okay, what's the right word? Are people gonna say something if I say the wrong word? Is there a better word to say than the one I come up with? And the game just stopped. So that's where my brain was at that point in time. And I was telling Chip this just yesterday, that um, I'm not going to use her name, but she's such a wonderful person. i still not going to use her name. Tanya. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> she, she said she was generally surprised that I decided to move forward because I struggled so much. And it just looked like something that I would have a tough time dealing with. And I think that's that's the main reason that I did decide to stay, because I was having a tough time. I knew where I wanted to go with that and that I wasn't there. And the only way to get there was to continue the process.
3: Number one here, no judgment. And we say that so, A, you don't judge others and say, oh, I'm better than so-and-so, you know, or so and is better than me, but that you don't judge yourself and say, I can't do this because you're sitting here as a main stage performer talking to other main stage performers about your journey. So that's called success, my friend.
2: Major support for Whole World Improv Theater is provided by the Atlanta Mayor's Office of Cultural Affairs where beautiful people bring you the arts while surrounded by singing birds and fairies. They must have us mistaken for something like Shakespeare in the Park. Or the vagina monologues. Vagina.
3: So walk us through it. You end the class program. You've got a grad show. What's it like to get the phone call to say, will you become a part of the company? Will you drink the chicken blood? Will you be an apprentice? What's that like?
1: Tanya's class that we came through it was a huge class. And I like to thank uh, the way the sh- classes are structured. It's just so great that you're in this together. So like we didn't have any, I like to call them ringers. We didn't have any people that were, uh, you know, any of the apprentice that were retaking the class. So we were all in that journey together. So all the fears all we're doing it all for the first time. And someone recently asked me after a show, like, oh man, is it nerve-wracking performing for the first time? I was like, yes, but you're performing it with people that you've spent a lot of time together with. And Tanya really did push the ensemble aspect of things. And because of that um, ensemble aspect, you're not in it alone. No. And so that helped propel you through the first show, the second show, and then finally the 401. I think Paige was doing a lot of the, you know, organizing and communicating and things like that. And I think she was in California during this window of time. So after the grad show, we really didn't hear much. So I remember coming to Jam and Jennifer Barron was sitting there and said, oh, so have you heard anything? Said, Yeah, yeah, no, I haven't, I haven't really heard anything yet. And said, oh, OK, well, you're, you're most definitely going to make. Yes, you're so good. You're most definitely going to make. I, said, I don't know. I haven't heard anything. Uh, I I I might you might not see me on Wednesday if they, they don't say anything. So I <laughs> still had not heard anything. Wednesday came and I was like, Texted Tanya. I was like, Am I supposed to come? I haven't heard anything is and uh, I said, yes, yes, go ahead and come. And so um yeah, so I didn't really get an official notification except for Tanya saying, Oh yeah, of course. Come on come. So
3: uh,
0: it sounds like I'm gonna have to have a conversation with Tanya. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Did Tanya become the assistant artistic director for a few minutes at least? No, no, no. We talk after every final grad
3: show, we talk about the students and the recommendations. You were definitely very high up on that list. And like I said, I got a good eye because look where you are now. But uh, I would say entering into that program, talk to folks, especially because there's going to be Other students listening to this to understand your journey. What's it like when you take this on? Because you've got this regular job and now here you are with basically another job.
1: So I'm gonna say for me, um, I just wanted to get better at this. Improv is hard. You can't say, if you do this, You'll do well. But every situation is different. Uh, Everybody's bringing something different to this stage. And so, what may work for me and what I need to improve on may not work for John and what he needs to improve on. So, there's no way to do that. So, the only way that I felt as a student that I could achieve what I was looking for is to come see as many shows as I possibly could. So, there were some times where I was here. I never missed an apprentice show. Even when I wasn't in it, I made sure that that was my top priority to see what my peers were doing as an apprentice. But even before that, as a student, yeah, I was here on on Fridays, on, on Saturdays, on Thursdays, taking that up. And then I was here pretty much every rehearsal as well. So much so that Monish cast me for my very first show, not realizing that I'd only been an apprentice for maybe, you know, a couple couple weeks because we had good scenes together that, in rehearsal as a student. And so when Conley said, oh yeah, this was Daniel's first show, I said, what? what it's just your first show. I thought you'd been here forever. And, and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to have a presence here, even though I was a student, even though I was a new apprentice. And so that was that was ultimately my goal.
3: Talk about the friends you've made here, because we are a community.
1: Yes.
0: Right? Yeah.
3: And that's the one real big bonus is that we find that a lot of people go on and leave here and have lives, and 10 years down the road, they've still got the same friends that they made here.
1: Yeah, and so since Whole World is the only improv theater that you know I have experience with, I, you know, try to figure out, okay, is this improv thing? Is it, a, is it a whole world thing? And then, you know, listening to Emily speak on it and listen to you speak on it. I think Whole World does a fantastic job of pushing that environment of inclusion and support and ensemble. And um, going back to being a student, uh, the Apprentice cast at that time, even before I joined the Apprentice cast, because I was investing time on in it, they welcomed me with open arms. Hey, we're going out to eat before rehearsal. Mm-hmm. They sent me a text message and say, hey, do you want to join us? And I'm someone, once again, very good at making excuses, very good at kicking cans down the road. I'm somebody that can find ways of getting out of things um, by just sheer will of not wanting
3: Well, we're to... glad you showed up for this podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. God you didn't kick that no, can down. No, no, <laughs> no. You wouldn't have an episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh,
1: but, but no, um, the, the support that this place gives makes it very hard to do that not because of you know their strong arming you, it's because you want to spend that time with yeah. it and, and i think that is also reflected mm-hmm. when we perform together we perform together as people that enjoy performing together and the only way that you can get to that point is mm-hmm. actually enjoy being around each it's,
3: other It's i think watching you walk in the back door on a wednesday night you're never usually walking in by yourself you're walking in with people, and that tells me you either went and got coffee or something to eat. Like, and then it's the afterwards. The people go out after. Yeah, you know, it's it's a whole community of give and take and coming and going. So, what's it like when it's announced that you're now a main cast member at Whole World? Tell our listeners that feeling.
1: So something about me. I generally never know how my performances go. So the only way that I know that I'm doing some kind of good job is if someone tells me. And this is someone that I feel like isn't just saying it to be nice. So... Um, <laughs> we have
0: so much in common.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And so, and that's sort the of thing, because I, I, I just go I go out there and and whatever happens, it happens. I'll feel like I did well, but I,
0: I'm not sure. And nobody said I fucked up, so yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I yeah. guess uh, I did good. But there are certain things that, you know, solidify that I, I can't question or I can't doubt. So being made main stage, that was something that I couldn't say. Are they just doing it to be nice? Is that, is that a commitment that they're making throughout the whole theater just, just,
3: just, be a, just, to, we're be, just to be we're just being just nice to be
1: kind and ni- no
3: please no, put I, your sucky <laughs> performance on our stage because we like you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so so I, <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the philosophy. Clanton sucks, but Lord let's all be nice. So I couldn't make that conclusion. So uh I couldn't make that conclusion. So yeah, I mean it's the most rewarding thing that has happened to me that kind of dictates on how well I'm doing here. Now, I've gotten more rewarding things um, out of this because I have to say the fact that the things that whole world taught me that I was able to take outside of this place, those are things that will be with me forever, even when the day comes where I may not be here at Whole World specifically, yeah. the things that I learned here. Oh yeah, I'm I'm I've drank the Kool Aid. I <laughs> preach to the the cult of improv,
0: but yeah, it 100 has changed. Yeah, changed my life.
3: Right? It changes all of our
1: lives, I think. Yeah.
0: What would you say to the apprentices? What advice would you give to a new apprentice?
1: I would say get as much out of this as you as you want to. So if your goal is to you know just be uh, you know a better presenter, or if your goal is to be more comfortable on stage, if your goal is to think clearer and sharper, um, yeah. If that's all you want out of it, that's great. No one's saying there's anything thing bad about that. Uh, but if your goal is to continue to improve upon this craft, to be as prepared as possible when you're on the stage and performing, you have to put in. You have to put in time. You have to show dedication. And I can only go by how what I felt got me here. And like I said before, that was seeing the show, building relationships, uh, letting people know what you want to do and that you're willing to put in time to do it. And uh, I feel like if you start doing those things, you're going to get whatever it is that you put into it.
3: Carlos would be so proud of you right now because you followed his journey as well. And he came in and he slayed it. And like you said, when you go, you go. But look at the impact he made on your life, your friend's life, and the fact that you're sitting here in a position that he could be sitting in as well just goes to show you that what we do here is important for people and get what you get out of it based on how much you put in is how much you take out. And I think he'd be really proud. He would be so proud of our scene last night and the fact that you still love Jungle Fever.
1: <laughs> uh, that's, that's, uh, so I, I'm going to tell you. Um, so I, I did the hate part. I hate energy ball. But, um, but, but Jungle Fever, I'm all about that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> enough for the love fight I, I love buzzer it's my favorite thing to do because you don't know what's going to come out good step stepping up there jungle fever wasn't that's something i haven't, haven't mentioned in yeah. decades but it makes the fact that it came out now you have to justify we're it. In, in
3: the, the steel th- yard and there's been some jungle fever going on and you're for it
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. well when scrap metal's around that's just gonna happen <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. Yeah. No, I love you. Uh, yes. Yeah, yes.
1: <laughs> but, and, and you know, as someone that never met Carlos, I only heard all the wonderful things about him. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I owe a lot to him because his performance, as you said, it reached out and, and touched someone that I had a relationship with. So, yeah, if it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for her so clearly communicating how much she enjoyed it, Who knows? I might still to this day would be kicking the can down the road and not be given all the opportunities and all the experiences that, that I have.
3: Well, you kicked the can all the way to main stage. And I'm proud of you because you also recently did a scripted piece with us and you did Glengarry Glen Ross, which is not an easy piece to memorize. And that
0: scene is a favorite of who? It's a favorite scene of who? Oh,
3: maybe me. Yeah. because I, I love Carey, Glen, Glenn Ross, but you nailed it, and that's what I'm saying. You know, as we embark on other things, you're learning not just improv. You're not just learning social and friendship skills. You're learning now scripted work. I mean, we continue to grow and change here, and that is the point. Challenge the actors so we don't get comfortable, because you don't want to get in a repetitive situation. You want to push them forward, and you did a great job.
1: Thank you, Chip, and I thank you for that as well, because that was another one of those hurdles that I need to jump over because I have a terrible memory. So once again, someone that makes this scripted work. That's why improv is great for me, because I don't have to memorize (laughs) a script. Whatever the script is, is whatever comes out of my head. What's my name? Chip. <laughs> but just but, checking. Um, but no, but that gave me that opportunity. And I don't know if you remember in that first rehearsal, Manish and I we did a different scene. And that and that scene was just kind of so we felt that, you know, if we're going to do a scripted piece, I kind of want to do something with emotional range that has ups and downs and ebbs and flows and things like that. Cause we wanted to test ourselves and I wanted to personally test myself to see if I can do it since that's something that I've never done so I was happy with the decision I'm happy how they turned down and uh, now that's another thing that I can put off my, a check mark on, well okay, I like I, I said this.
3: we've got sketch coming up next on the plate this summer and uh, you know this was my tricky little ploy to get people kind of ready for scripts but i so appreciate you being on our podcast today
1: oh no oh, oh no no i mean i can talk about improv and master control all day long so oh, yeah, i,
3: I thought you were about to say something else <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, oh no yeah. What, whoa <laughs> what you do in the control
0: rooms up to uh, all on you man all right, thanks, Daniel. Oh no, thank All you. Right, guys. <laughs> it was a pleasure. All right. Sign us out, John. And next week on the Whole World Improv Theater Podcast, we'll have Josh Rosenthal. Until then, I'm John Mehallik. I'm Chip Powell. And scene.
2: Thanks for listening to the Whole World Improv Theatre Podcast. Now with a fresh new lemony scent. The Whole World Improv Podcast is a production of Whole World Improv Theater in association with Headspace Industries. The executive producer, writer, and servant in the place of truth is Chip Powell. The other producer, writer, whatever, is John Michalik. Huh? Ooh, that is ominous. Ugh. The voiceover booth here isn't set up yet, and so I'm, I'm kind of pulling some strings, and I'm huddled underneath a giant comforter. And it's probably uh, about 120 degrees under here. And big old sweat droplet dropped right on what I'm reading. And right on the H of mehadic I don't know what it means. Probably means that we're both sweaty people, John. Original music by The Gentle Readers. And our social media maven is Bethany Rowe. Please help support this podcast by liking, subscribing, and leaving us a review. And use emojis. It's fun watching John try to figure out what they are. Eggplant donut, eggplant donut, eggplant donut, bagel. What's the difference between a bagel and a donut in the euphemism world? Write in and let us know. Or peach. Whole World Improv Theater is a 501c3 nonprofit theater. Please support by donating at our website, wholeworldtheater.com. And remember, it's tax deductible. It's easier than lying about the size of your home office. Oh, man, that's another one that hit really close to home. But I've only really lived in 600 square feet ever. At most. So it's negligible. All right, IRS, you have won by far. You win. You win. Just take my life. Additional writing and voiceover from me, Kate Hollow. And I'm now officially drenched in sweat from head to toe. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week.
0: Yeah, because he's probably he's he's been doing this. See, wasn't that bad? That was a good episode. Uh,